this back in July 2020 so if you're confused about some of the things that we are talking about just remember that it was back then that I recorded this I will attempt to upload an episode at least once a month if you have any opinions thoughts suggestions you can email me at cura.lechuzasca at gmail.com that is k-i-r-a dot L-E-C-H-U-Z-A-S-C-A at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Enjoy my very first episode from July 2020 with Duchess Edelheit Fuchs. All right, this is Kira, Lady Kira Lechuza with Make Yourself Known Podcast, and I am here with my very first interviewee. Go ahead and introduce yourself. What is your full title and name? Hi, everybody. My SCA name is Duchess Edelheit Fuchs, and that is my full title. And Duchess means that you have been queen, correct? At least, yes, exactly. It, it means I've been uh, queen at least twice, and in my case, it has been twice. It has been twice. So if you've been queen once, that means they're not a duchess. That means that they are a... Uh, uh, typically a countess. A countess, yes, that is it. So what are your preferred pronouns when you are introducing yourself? Uh, I'm definitely, my preferred pronouns are she, but I will answer to they or them or uh, pretty much any variation of those types of phrases. Oh, yeah. When I was interviewing myself yesterday, I said the same thing. I was like, hmm, that's a fun thought. <laughs> <laughs> so Duchess Edelheit Fuchs, did you have any inspiration for that name? Oh, so my name, uh, you know, if you ask my husband, Christoph, why I picked that name, he will give you a completely different story. But I picked it because uh, I was changing my persona from Italian to German, and my Italian name was Alessandra De Giovanni. And uh, I don't know if anybody is uh, Vampire the Masquerade uh, role-playing gamers, but I absolutely love the Giovanni clan. And so I needed to desperately make sure people knew that I was some kind of vampire from Italy. So therefore, <laughs> I chose Alessandra de Giovanni. But oh, I did not know that. I didn't think about that video game. It's been a while since <laughs> I've played it, so that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just a little um, geek thing of mine there. But um, So when I came to Atlantia, I decided I wanted to get a different persona, so I chose German. and. Uh, 
I wanted something that started with an A steel and also sort of represented my uh, one of my favorite animals, which was a fox. And Fuchs means fox. And so um, also it, it, it means red horse or actually red colored horse. So uh, I, sorrel specifically. So I, since I come from an equestrian background, I thought that would be a nice mix. So that is why I chose that name. Oh, that is such a great background. I didn't even know that. This is very educational for me and probably a whole bunch of other people. It's great. Well, I'll give you I'll give you another little piece. This is the part that my husband likes to say. So because my last name obviously is Fuchs and it sounds a whole lot like the F word. Yep. Um, it, I didn't want to say is, anything, but yeah. <laughs> that is why he said I chose it, but, uh, and he's wrong about that, but, you know, it's still a good story, right? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, uh, but I will say that I was one of, I, only one other person who had the last name Fuchs, I believe, at the time, that we had to appeal to the board to get uh, our names passed. And I basically just provided a bunch of registries of uh, individuals all across Germany who had that last name. So it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, but it was still kind of cool that I had to do it anyways. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you said that you are currently in the kingdom of Atlantia and the barony of Windmasters Hill, Windmasters Hill. So that means that you are in the mundane area for that. That is North Carolina. Absolutely. It's in the Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina area. I still don't know too much about my baronies. I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. This is, I think you'll learn as you uh, start uh, interviewing people. Yes. And I'll still be forgetful and that will be okay. It's That's what the interview is about. <laughs> So I know, and I'm sure a lot of people know, that you are from Texas. <laughs> yes, just give a text in five minutes and they'll let you know they're from Texas. Absolutely. Yes. And that is the kingdom of? Uh, it's on Siora, and on Siora um, is Oklahoma and Texas. And I believe that on Siora actually just got uh, their principality passed. So Oklahoma and maybe part of the northern panhandle of Texas will be their own principality. Okay, okay. Um, considering that you have been in both kingdoms uh, and you've been in the SCA in both kingdoms, have you seen a significant difference between the two kinds? Um, like, so, uh, so I've... Uh, I've been and not anything, not anything too in depth, just, you know, in general, because we're not trying to get into the political manner of it. We're just going like, oh, yeah, there was a lot more fighting. There was a lot more ANS. Da, 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 da. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, I've been in Atlantia now for 10 years and I was in on Siora uh, just a little over 10 years, I think 11 years. Um, so my perspective has changed a little bit because, um, you know, I've. I've I've been here for 10 years, so I've gotten 10 years more of uh, adult life underneath me and experience. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you would have asked me when I first moved here, I probably would have told you that Atlantia uh, was cold and closed off and it was hard to find a place here. Um, mm. But that's also because I came from a really large household in Onciora and mm. um, you know, I was used to just being able to pretty much go wherever I wanted and know somebody. So um, is there really any big difference? Not, not, not totally. I do think that uh, there's uh, 
similarities more um, Atlantia's rapier community and Osteora's rapier community are very similar. Um, mm. And, uh, I, you know, I think they're probably some of the best rapier fighters in the known world. I could just be, you know, tuning our own kingdom's horn and my prior kingdom's horn, but I do <laughs> believe, that, yeah, I do believe that that is the truth. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really freaking hot in Texas and it's also really freaking hot here in North Carolina. So yeah, it's not really, uh, not too much of a difference. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ask which, uh, barony because I don't know much of the barony, but which region of, uh, Texas were you currently in or were you in then? Absolutely. So, um, I'm from the Dallas area and yep. that area has, um, a hot. barony called, uh, it is hot. It uh, has a barony called steps. And um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that is where I'm from. And there was another very close adjacent uh, barony because Dallas and Fort Worth are such large population centers. Um, they could have oh, baronies yeah. pretty close. So uh, there was one also that I played at called Elsie, which was in Fort Worth about an hour from Dallas. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so you said you were in a former household, uh, and you are currently your own household. You started it. Um, so the one that you were in 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 uh Antiora Antiora oh, dang it in Texas yeah Antiora Antiora you can say it Antiora I say okay. Antiora but that's okay go ahead <laughs> um why did you yeah it, pronunciation I'm terrible at it um why did you yeah why did you choose to be part of that household or did you start that household no, I did not start that household. Um, I chose to be part of that household, which is um, uh, House uh, de Porto. Um, and uh, I, I chose to be a part of that because the two leaders of that household, uh, just thinking about it, I kind of tear up, um, Duke Miguel and Duchess Connell are two of the most solid, uh, just the most solid individuals in the world. And I really, really loved the way that they made everybody in their group feel special. And I say that because they were so popular as individuals that they really, um, they just really always had someone around them all the time. And, uh, you know, they didn't always allow people in the household. Obviously, there was always people outside of it, um, but they, they just, they were so vibrant and, and funny. And, um, you know, the Portos had a reputation for being a party household. Which <laughs> and I don't um, know what that's like being part of a <laughs> somewhere that is very party. I, I have no idea what that's like. No idea. No, <laughs> it's true. being part of Hawkwood. No, no. <laughs> uh, sarcasm. Yeah. They, no, I get it. I get it. They, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were just welcoming and they were, they, they, you know, they had their feet firmly planted in the SCA. They were knowledgeable about things. They were well-respected um, and they protected their people. And mm -hmm. to me, that was uh, really important. And not to say that I needed protecting because I did something wrong or because people were after me, but they made me feel like I belonged with them. And because oh. of that, they oh, so will sweet. forever have yeah, they will forever have my dedication because of that. I can see that you totally brought that type of attitude and just ingested it and brought it to Atlantia. That is so excellent. 
Well, that's probably the kindest compliment I could have gotten. I really appreciate that, Sarah. <laughs> you definitely brought it, and I love it, and I love you, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Moving on, uh, so you started your own household in Atlantia, and what made you decide to start it here? Or what was your inspiration for? Well, I can, I can guess what your inspiration was. It's the household that you were <laughs> in in Texas. But what made you decide it to be uh, the way that it is, the the just the type of animal that you chose? Oh, the honey badger? Okay, yes. so I, I kind of... I probably need to start with uh, making sure that people in general know the difference uh, of what our household, Christoph and I's household is, and what the Honey Badger Tavern is. So mm-hmm. um, just to give a, a general overview, Christoph and I, um, we have a household, uh, which is compromised of his squires and my companions, and um, that is, they are part of Honey Badger Tavern, but Honey Badger Tavern um, is really, think of it like Christoph and I own a, a tavern in the middle of, uh, you know, in a town. And people come in and out and they want to stay there. So they don't own the tavern, but they pay dues to the tavern. And so they get in, they get say and uh, uh, input into what happens within the tavern. And so we have a lot of other very uh, uh, peer-driven households that stay with the Honey Badger Tavern, and there is a core of three uh, major peer houses that um, are together that sort of uh, head up Honey Badger, and that would be, uh, obviously, Christoph and I, we're mm-hmm. sort of the final decision makers in everything, and then there is uh, Duke Cohen and Duchess Sydney, and mm-hmm. also Duke Anton and Duchess Leonard, and they are, are, you know, we go to them when we need uh, extra advice or, uh, you know, extra decision-making input on how we should move forward with Honey Badger, but the two are actually different, so they, we're not part of um, their households, and they are not part of our households per se, but we are very closely entwined. Um, oh, well, that is a trifecta of amazingness. That is so great. <laughs> I, I, you know, I couldn't ask for better people in my life, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but our household, and we're going to call it uh, House Honey Badger instead of Honey Badger Tavern just for the sake of confusing everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> but when you explain it, it sounds, it sounds like it, it makes sense. Okay, well, that's good because sometimes I, you know, it's been a while and I'm not sure everybody really understands how the house or how the group works together, the tavern as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard it before. Um, Catherine never told me about it, just that she's part of House Honey Badger. And I, that makes sense that to keep it short and sweet to call it a household, but to call it a tavern is just, it makes it more depth, just really great. <laughs> thank you. Um, but our household, House Honey Badger, uh, you know, Kristoff and I didn't intend to build a household. Kristoff uh, is part of a very old, uh, or let me rephrase that, comes from a very old um, Atlantean household, uh, the Bedfords. And mm-hmm. he was a, a Michael of Bedford squire, Duke Michael of Bedford, to give him his just dues. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when Kristoff got knighted, uh, we weren't certain how our how we were going to continue our paths because a lot of uh, people I think expect uh, those who become uh, elevated to peers and they're in a household to sort of 
give them time to uh, go out on their own and see what the SCA can bring them. And, and that might bring them back to their old household and they may work together with the, their prior uh, patriarch or matriarch or um, whatever other pronoun or description that, that household leader wants to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they, uh, they would come back and, and make a decision from there. And Christoph and I, I think we just decided that we were going to just take it easy <laughs> mm-hmm. and see and see where it went for us. And we didn't really uh, make any decisions. And then he won crown. Uh, and, oh, oops. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, so he won crown. I think um, I might have my dates wrong and I'm terrible with dates, but I think he oh, won crown. Fine. I'm terrible with dates too, just like he was. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, so. I think he was six months to a year after he got knotted that he won crown. And, uh, after Crown, we decided he, he had someone who traveled with us and asked to be uh, his squire. And we just sort of realized that our household was just sort of are becoming its own entity naturally instead of forcing like we are going to become a household. And it just sort of grew. And to be honest, and, you know, to to be a little political here, we also were watching as another group in the kingdom was absolutely abusing and um, mistreating people. And we wanted to absolutely be the polar opposite of those, those individuals. And so I'm not going to give a guess uh, on which household it is because I'm not in that political thing and don't name them. So it's okay. (laughs) I wasn't, I don't think it'll be hard for anyone to figure it out, but um, (laughs) we, uh, you know, we just, we didn't want that. And, and while there are some traits that that household did have that I thought was, you know, an interesting way to run a household, the majority of it was not great. And so Chris and I made a conscious decision to allow people to camp with us that weren't necessarily part of our household, which is where Honey Badger Tavern came into play. We wanted to give a safe spot for people yes. to come and be at any given time. And mm-hmm. so that that's when the tavern sort of, you know, came to fruition is that it we realized, okay, there we need to give space. That's part of our job as peers is to give space for people who feel like they don't have space. And that doesn't always work out. There are people who mm-hmm. come and they want to be around us, and then they realize that we're just not for them, and that is absolutely fine because people have to find their own way and their own path, mm-hmm. and that that is okay. Yes, they have to be camping with you, and they still have to pull their own weight. They can't just be there to hang out and pill for the food and just move on. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, I would hope that if people are camping with us that they would help out, but I meant yes. it more in, like, the, the sense that, uh, you know, personalities don't always mesh. And oh, yeah. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with being uh, adult and honest with each other and saying, hey, this doesn't work or being adult and saying, oh, my God, I love you. Can I please, please stay and be a part of the household or the tavern or, or what can I do to get my household to be a part of the tavern? There's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, that sounds like uh, Marguerite. She saw you at Twelfth Night and she was like, oh, <laughs> she, tell, she tells me that story and it's just so great. It's just like, oh, yeah, I need to know this person. I was like, OK. <laughs> funny. <laughs> OK. Um, and moving on, you have been in the SCA for around 20 years. Uh, yeah, just a, just a little over. I was 18. Well, 
I'm going to say Ish. I was 18 when I joined the SCA. Yes, I was 18 when so I joined the, the So what are the many things that you have done? Obviously service, but what what else have you done? Like, have you been a fighter? What kind of ANS stuff have you done? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> sure, I am not. It's okay. <laughs> I actually don't have a lot to tell you here, so I'm kind of embarrassed. Um, oh, uh, your fine. service is still great. <laughs> Um, so when I was in Onsteora, I was heavily into equestrian. I have rode most of my life uh, until I moved to Atlantia, and then I haven't, um, don't have my horses here any longer, so mm-hmm. I don't Yeah, there's ride a difference anymore. between the, the Texas horse life and the North Carolina horse life. There's just more mountains. <laughs> it, it's, it's less mountain, well, it's less land, actually, I think is yeah, what the problem is. Yeah, that's less land. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, uh, so I was really heavy, heavily into equestrian and, uh, I, uh, used to take my horse dance magic to every event. Um, he was he's so calm and such a good boy that I let, um, most of the Royals ride him on the regular at events and other people who wanted to ride, but were uh, fearful. And I taught lessons on him, um, for individuals so they could ride, um, at equestrian events. Um, and so I did that mostly in Texas and, uh, I was the equestrian marshal for steps and, um, I, you know, that was really my, I mean, my main focus. Equestrian takes a lot of time out of individuals. So when you are an equestrian, it's really hard to get active in other pieces of the SCA because if you have your horse there, there are all kinds of rules that require you to be with your horse or have someone be with your horse and, and that kind of thing. And equestrian was really, you know, starting to finally take off with a, with a firm footing and a, and a solid, um, rule set underneath them at the time and and uh yeah so you know it it was it was really great but here in atlantia i've got to admit that i um i really took a back seat for a while i did most of the stuff that i do is always in the background and this is going to sound kind of silly but uh as a rose uh i get pulled into things all the time and I told you uh, well yeah but not um I want to say that I have really broad shoulders and so uh, a lot of the times I get pulled into things that people don't ever hear about or see or shouldn't and maybe I should say think they know about and think they see but don't know Mm -hmm. the full story um I get pulled into a lot of those uh and 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 that's an emotional toll on people yeah I bet and so, um, so I, I, you know, I did a lot of that. I run a, like I said, we, we have a really large household that runs a very large tavern and that takes a, a good chunk of time. Um, and yeah, I remember last year at war of the wings, I didn't see you on site at all, but Marguerite said that you were there and it was because you had taken over the kitchen. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I was in the kitchen all day and, it, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Apparently people ate and they were happy. So I guess I did all that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as far as ANS goes, oh, this is this is so silly. Uh, so I used I I was um, apprenticed to Mr. Our Dame Rosalind Delamere, mm-hmm. who is a uh, a Laurel and now a Pelican nonpareil. You know she's she's everything. We'll just oh yeah, she's great. Uh, anyway, 
she took me because I was going to try costuming. And if you want to see the saddest thing that you've ever seen in your life, it's watching me try to sew something. Oh. Uh, it, it, it is. It is and it, I know it, that feeling. <laughs> and worse yet, I have such high expectations for myself when it comes to garb. And so I, it just destroyed me. Thankfully, I have a really good seamstress, but, uh, you know, I can't do it. So I failed miserably as her apprentice. I felt like I was failing miserably. Um, oh. And then. Yeah, that's Chris one of the questions. What did you do and fail at? <laughs> seamstress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That, that answers your question. Seamstress and apprentice, apparently, because. Oh. Like, I think uh, six months after I took her belt, uh, Chris won crown. And, of course, you know, you can't be in fealty to someone, uh, or at least mm-hmm. in my opinion, you cannot be in fealty to both the crown and another individual. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a pol- it's polite to <laughs> hand over your belt. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, at least for me, I think that's, that's expectation. I think other mm-hmm. people have different opinions. But um, so anyway, so I, I didn't uh, I didn't start back on the A&S path, but. Uh, I will tell you that during this pandemic period, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm a goober and I really love history or if it's something else, but I started um, doing uh, basically just like anecdotal lectures about serial killers in period. And, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you fell and, into the hole. <laughs> I did. And so like, I'm really, I really love it. And I think it's, it's, I'm a little bit morbid, I guess, and I've always had a little bit of a, I don't want to say a dark side, but I really love true crime. And, you know, I think what, that's just everyone. <laughs> and see, there you go. And so people really like it, and they're, they're like, when are you going to do the next one? So I've really enjoyed that, and, and I guess the pandemic's given it, me a different audience to be able to do that because I don't know that it would have – I just don't know if people would have looked for something like that at an event. And uh, – uh, de- it depends. Mm. It really depends. Um, definitely a goober. Mm-hmm. You fit in well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've done, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, service, I try to do it, whatever the crown asks of me. I try mm-hmm. my best to do it, whether it's something I agree with uh, or not, like, you know, not being allowed in a crown tournament or if it's, uh, you know, hey, I want you to figure out how in the world we can make Atlantia virtual for the next three months. Uh, you know, I'll do whatever they success. ask. <laughs> I hope, I hope success. But yeah, and to me, that service is, you know, when people need you, you either help them get what they need yourself or you can send them to someone else who can help them. So oh, yeah. um, that's, that's the extent of my SCA, but I have, I have done, you know, Oh, you know what? I've autocratted before too. I, See, look, I just forgot and didn't even think about it. But, yeah, I have autocrat. No one ever thinks about the autocrat. (laughs) They organize all this and whip their people into shape, and no one ever thinks about the autocrat. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Well, it's hard being an autocrat. So kudos I give Mm -hmm. to all the individuals who try and, uh, you know, who try to get better every time. It's it's a very hard job. So kudos to them for the ones who continuously do it. Um, yes. What brought you into the SCA? Uh, I was sitting at my desk at work and I had just moved to Dallas from the very, very small town I lived in. And uh, I had no real connections to anybody and no friends. And all I did was ride horses all day long, um, or not all day long, but as my side hobby. 
And uh, I searched. I remember it was a GeoCity site that popped up. I searched on the internet. Oh, my. Um, that's old. Into, into Yahoo. I'll even oh. tell you that. It was oh, my Yahoo. God. And it was uh, horses. I think I put in horses, pretty dresses, and knights. <laughs> that's great. And I found, I found the SCA. And it, you know, there was... For all the credit that I give uh, Connell and Miguel, who, of course, I, I love endlessly, but um, the woman who was running the equestrian activities at the time in Dallas, she, and, you know, I'm sure she probably had her own uh, reasoning for being so supportive of me, but she took me under her wing and introduced me to a million people and drove me from event to event with her horse and my horse. Um, oh. She... She was the reason why I stayed active, even after she sort of went away. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate her every day for that. Oh, that is that is so great. Being able to be escorted to these events, it's, it certainly helps in having someone who is already in the SA to introduce you to like-minded individuals is definitely the way that we keep people. Yes, I, I, um, I agree. You know, it's, it's really important for someone to find a group to be a part of, but um, I would like to also just point out that it's equally as important to find a group that you fit with. And mm -hmm. I mean that because there are a lot of individuals who come into the SEA and there's this really warm and welcoming um, support energy that comes from various groups and households, um, cantons, shires, baronies, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and, sometimes, and sometimes these individuals uh, get put into these groups with the best possible uh, intentions, and then they realize after they've been there for a while that, oh, man, this really wasn't the right fit for me. Um, you know, I really love these people, but, man, this household over here or this this uh, guild over here is doing all the things that I want to do and how I like things done. And so it's it's equally important for us as individuals to also – look at the person who's coming in that's new, who we want to support and support them fully, which means also sometimes having to, uh, you know, realize we're not the right fit for them and say, hey, this right here is for you. And, you know, she sort of, her name was Lisa. She sort of did that for me too, because she was like, I love her. She does a question, but this household over here, Porto, that's, that's where she belongs. She is their kind of people. And so mm -hmm. she, you know, took me to them and introduced me to them. And, and so, you know, I, like I said, she, she's a big part of who I am and where I am today in the SBA, too. Oh, that's excellent. Can you remember your first event? <laughs> yes, I can remember every, every, every detail of that event. In fact, uh, you probably don't want me to go into that great of depth. Yeah. But Keep it nice and short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my first event was uh, LC Defender, and it was an equestrian event. We had, a, I don't know, probably 15 horses there, which was a big deal. And Ooh, it was in the That is a big deal. Was, yeah. And it was uh, at this uh, location that used to be a Renaissance Fair, so it was very picturesque. And mm. it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it oh. was so bad that our trailers actually got stuck and we couldn't leave. So oh, no. but the, thing, the best part about the event was the prince at the time, who will forever be my first prince. He will always, always be um, Duke Aaron McGregor. 
uh, in Osceola, he stayed that night and we had a feast, meaning the whole site that stayed. We had a feast underneath this canopy that was surrounded by faux, like a faux castle, right? And they mm-hmm. put candle lights out and there was no modern light anywhere. And it was, it was just magical. And he mm-hmm. did like the perfect princely courtier thing, which was walk around and chat with everybody and, you know, be charming. At least in my 18 year old mind, it was charming. And, um, you know, Exactly, exactly. Like made everybody's, you know, made everybody's event. And and I hate to put so much power into the crown, but I got to tell you that that experience with him and that experience with that site and all that made me want to come back because there was this magic moment that I got to have that has really not been replicated too many times since then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, those kind of events, that intimate setting where, you know, it was like maybe 30 of us out there. It was beautiful. And I still remember it, you know, 20 years later. Oh, that is definitely something to strive for and to just remember. Oh, that is so great. Oh, uh, I I don't think we've had too many of those. I mean, it's hard to get that at War of the Wings with the Porta Johns everywhere, but <laughs> Porta Johns are necessary. <laughs> Uh, yes, they are necessary. I, I think those are something that we can try to just uh, block out of our, our minds as we move around our medieval encampments. Yes. Uh, so what do you think you have become known for? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I would I say German I, dresses. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I think, oh, man, what have I become known for? I would also uh, say your your facial features of just, you know, just just being able to <laughs> to show your ha- the displeasure of some moments. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, apparently my eyebrow is uh, somewhat terrifying to people sometimes. Uh, it's Duke on Brennan, point. <laughs> Duke Brennan of the East made my day one time because uh, there's this really great picture that Eva um Mottilde, Lady Mott, or Baroness Mottilde. Yeah, sorry. Baroness Mottilde. Yeah, uh, that she uh, took of me glaring at somebody across the list field, and I was actually in that moment glaring at the person, and she happened to catch the picture. And uh, <laughs> so his grace Brennan uh, told me one time that he took that picture of me and stuck it up on his office wall and put, you know, like when people would come into his office, they were having like a being, you know, troublesome or whatever that day, he would just point at that picture and be like, do you want me to call her? I will call her. Bad behavior. So uh, apparently, yes, my eyebrows, probably my ferrets. Uh, everybody knows me for my ferrets. And, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, I guess cor- corgis. Yes, taco. Oh, taco. <laughs> taco nene. <laughs> Oh, uh, hmm. What do you want to be known for? Since everyone knows you from the previously mentioned, what do you, aside from that, what do you want to be known for? Oh, this is one of those questions where, uh, my, uh, I feel like I need to be humble a little bit, but, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would really, I mean, honestly, right now, 
just with weight, the way everything is going on, I really want to be known. I, I want to be that person that people can walk up to and be like, hey, um, so I was thinking about uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine, and I heard that she did X, Y, Z, and then I would just be able to spout out whatever it was about Eleanor of Aquitaine that they were asking about. So yeah. really, I want to be known for, well, I guess two things. Uh, I really love societal interactions in the mid the Middle Ages, specifically Europe, but I also love Egypt. And as of last night, I cannot wait to show you guys this. I'm going to like give a little hint. Uh, I did an interview on Neo-Sumerian culture with a gentleman that is absolutely amazing. And I just can't wait for everybody to see that. But now oh, yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw that on your Facebook page. And oh, man, I was like, oh, that's so pretty. She's so pretty. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, was real. Well, thank you for that. But uh, it was Oh, his interview, so smart and so well put together. So I would like to be able to kind of do what he did. Um, he's very uh, focused and specific, but I would like, one, to be known for uh, true crime and sordid lives, I guess really sordid lives of history. So Sordid well, lives. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yes. I want to be that person that can tell you all of this courtly crap or all these political maneuverings that happen behind the scene and why they happen. And, uh, you know, I, I really like small details about historical characters that other people probably uh, don't don't know or, or haven't heard and and just little things that I find fascinating like um, Adel, um I'm sorry I just said her name wrong uh, Matilda of England she the first she was the first English crown she uh, was the first woman that or well I should say that like that she was the first woman to ever be crowned as consort queen of England prior to that they were just the king's wives but she was the first woman that was actually crowned consort, and her husband gave her all kinds of governmental powers. So she wasn't just this person standing next to her. She had his name and his say in things. Ooh. So, yeah, I found it very interesting. So that, those are the kind of things that I really like about history and I find very fascinating. So I'd, I'd like to be known for, you know, knowing the sordid tales of, of everyone's history. Well, hopefully this podcast will be able to put that word out. Um, so uh, go, going into a different direction, do you give out tokens? And is it is it period? And if it isn't, does it matter if it isn't? Um, so to start with, I, I'll, I'm going to give you a history here real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, tokens are absolutely Absolutely, period. Now, perhaps mm -hmm. the way the SBA presents them and the way that they are given out um, within our organization is not historically accurate 100%, but the idea and the notion and the meaning that is behind a token absolutely is without a doubt, period. Mm -hmm. um, so a little fun side story here. Uh, there is an island um, in, in the U.S. Uh, it's called uh, Tangier Island, I believe. I'm asking Christoph because I want to make sure I'm saying it right. Tanger Island is the, Tanger Island. So in Tanger Island, which is up north, they speak, I, I guess if you were going to say that they had a language, they still sort of speak probably like maybe first generation um, immigrants from England, Ireland, every, you know, from, from Europe when they came here, they probably speak very similarly to how they spoke. 
So yeah. their accents are very interesting. They're very, um, you know, they have a very localized cultural speech. Anyway, so uh, up there, when referring to getting lucky with the ladies at night, the men would <laughs> refer to it as tippets and would say, I'm going to get some tippet tonight or something Ooh. to that effect. But if you stop and you go back in period, a tippet, which is typically a uh, faux sleeve that hangs from a, a lady's arm, was often given to someone in a tournament as a token of favor or as, as they rode out in battle. It was often, they, they ripped it from their sleeve so they wouldn't have to actually rip their actual sleeve off. And they would give these tippets out to whomever they showed favor to. So if you think about what a tippet has become versus what a tippet was back then, you can probably see the slow circle where it is, hey, I'm giving you my tippet, which means I'm giving you my favor, or as in modern society, I'm giving you a little more, I'm letting you know how much I like you. So, that actually uh, reminds me, your first reign, you did get, you gave a tippet to uh, my husband, I believe. No, you gave it to... You you ripped a piece of your dress off and you gave it to someone I cannot remember who but I remember uh, who was it? Uh, it was Gilbert. It uh, was Gilbert. I, yes. I ripped the sleeve from my first coronation gown, the lining of my sleeve out, and I made a or actually it wasn't my gown it was my uh, chemise but I I tore the sleeve off of my chemise and I gave it to Gilbert and I asked him to take this uh, this token, this tippet, and um, anytime he was inspired by somebody on the field, I wanted him to pass it off to that next individual, and they were to sign it, hopefully post it on Instagram, and, you know, go around the known world. I have no clue where it's at now. It, I, believe, it, and it, you know, I believe Sir Alexi has it at the moment. I believe he yeah. gave it to Sir Alexi. Okay, I thought, I thought somebody gave it to your, I thought Sir Alexi gave it to your husband, but maybe I'm wrong, but anyway. So I would yeah. have to ask him, and that's Another thing later. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely think that favors are a uh, period. And I do give out tokens. Um, I like to watch people from afar. So I tend to not give a token out in the moment. I tend to give tokens out later on. And I also am not a really good uh, – I'm not really good at uh, instant speeches. So I have to really think about what I'm going to say when I want to – try to be inspiring or let somebody know my true feelings about things. I like to just be very concise in what I say. So I often give tokens out at a later date when they aren't doing that action, right? They may have mm -hmm. even forgotten they were doing whatever it was that I saw. And then I just remind them that, you know what, I was watching you and I want to say how much I appreciate what you did and, you know, give them that. And I try to also give a small note with it too. So they, rem they remember it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that is, I like that. It's better than, I mean, in the moment is nice too, but bringing it up later makes it better. I think it really firms it into the mind. That's excellent. Hmm. Uh, what is the best token that you have received? Oh, goodness, a token. You know, I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever, hmm, I'm, gonna, I want, I'm about to say I've never been given a token, and I know that's a lie. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, let me see. Well, the one that's coming to mind right now was when I was still in steps, um, the Baroness at the time, I traveled with her to 
the farthest north of on Stewart at the time, which was in Oklahoma. And uh, I was her, like her retainer all day long and for that entire weekend. And we got lost and I was the only person that could read a map apparently. And it was just this whole debacle. But at the end of the weekend, she took a bead off of her Viking necklace that she had and she gave that to me. And I still have that. And it's actually um, on one of my gowns. So, uh, you know, that meant a whole, that meant a whole lot to me. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, Viking beads are definitely one of the most popular token that I have seen given out, aside from the uh, tippet that you, that that pretty much everyone in the SCA does. Mm. Is there a token from someone that you desire? Like whether it's the shape or from a specific someone? Uh, I don't have a specific someone that I desire a token from. Uh, Christoph is plenty for me to have to handle and deal with. <laughs> so I, I need no effort to put into another individual to find a token. But I will tell you that um, I, I, so I do desire a token, but probably for a completely, well, not completely different, but a different thing. Um, if, if I were to ever, uh, get the opportunity to be queen again. Um, in Atlantia, it's very typical, um, and I can't give you a time frame on how long this has been going on, but at least in my time here in Atlantia, um, the queens, when they, whatever war that they're queen at, so Gulf Wars or Penzik, the queens typically get a bunch of favors made, and they pass those out to um, fighters. And I, I think it's lovely, and I know that there are a lot of fighters that really like that, and they even keep those tokens. But to me, and back to your point in the beginning, the purpose of a token is a favor, right? I am bestowing my favor, A, on you, hoping that you will come back alive. That's mm-hmm. probably period, right? Like, I yep. want you to come back. This is my favor. I'm, I'm giving God's grace to you through me. However, I, at least that's in my head how I'm imagining it. Um, and then also, hey, I'm giving you this favor because you did something extraordinary. You went above and beyond on, on your day-to-day tasks in order to have someone recognize you, whether you meant for that to happen or not. And so instead of a favor just being something that is going to be uh, mass produced, so to speak, and given out to everybody when it holds no value, uh, and I don't want to say holds no value because, again, I know it means something to individuals, but if I ever get the opportunity to be queen again, I want to have a specified type of token and a very minimal number of them to give Mm -hmm. to the people who really, really do something that's extra special and extraordinary. And um, I, I want it to be, I want it to be something that's beautiful and something that they will always want to wear on their person 10 years from now, five minutes from now, if they hate my guts 10 years from now, or if they love me for the rest of their lives, I want it to be something that is beautiful and meaningful to them too. Oh, that is so sweet. I I've been feeling the same about if I ever, become a someone besides a camp dog that I am (laughs) I would want to give certain people a token just be like hey you're pretty awesome I favor you above all others here's this absolutely absolutely trying to eh, get inspired by something is a little hard though (laughs) 
you know, you can you can find inspiration in the smallest of places, and sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes the smallest feed, um, even if it's even if you don't feel like a hundred percent inspired by the person that you're about to talk about inspiration to, or give something for, you have no idea how much you're. And this is just true for any person in the SCA doing this, giving giving away praise. Praise does not hurt the individual that you are giving praise to. Mm-hmm. It often sows a seed or it waters a tiny seed that's already there. And mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with trying to make someone feel better about themselves and paying it forward. Mm-hmm. Paying it forward is always good. Is there a person currently in the SCA? I know we talked about several that had inspired you uh, back in Enstiora and uh, how, what brought you into the SCA. Is there a person currently who inspires you? Oh, man. So this is one of those questions where everybody uh, always has somebody to name or several someone's to name. And uh, someone who... In- inspires me in the SCA, it's kind of weird for me because I have different uh, different inspirational needs, I suppose. Yeah, so, it could be several people. It could be just, you know, like the general idea from this group over yeah. here. Yes. So um, I, I will tell you that this is somebody who I greatly admire, and she jokes all the time that she says uh, she tries to remember what Duchess Ariel would do. Um, and Duchess Ariel... Uh, she was um, unfortunately have passed away long before my time here, but you know she obviously was well beloved person, and people to this day still uh, greatly remember her and are fond of her. But the person I'm actually talking about is Duchess Simone, and she, uh, our current Kingdom Seneschal, uh, she mm-hmm. always says, "Well, I still think what would Ariel do?" And me, I think, "Oh my God, what would Simone do?" When I try to like. When, I, when I'm about to, like, flip out or, or you know, I need, like, to, to think about being grounded. Simone is the person that I think about. Um, inspirationally, Kalissa, uh, Duchess Kalissa, is probably one of my biggest inspirations. She has, um, you know, I don't want to give away her mundane life, but she has a very important job. And it is a hard job. And then she just became a member of the BOD. And mm. Oh, yes, also, I heard about that. That is also a big and important job. And there's with the changes that are happening in the SCA, there's a lot of uh, fractured sides and, and factions that are kind of popping up here and there for good or bad. Yeah. And Kalissa um, <clears throat> is, is the kindest person that you will meet. I mean, she absolutely can, you know, turn on the the daggers if she needs to. Um, But as far as people go, she's always looking for the best in someone. And she expects that they're doing the right thing. And she also, uh, you know, she always raises her hand to do whatever is in the background. People probably don't realize how much she actually does in the background all the time. Uh, she can't do that right now because of the BOD situation because that's the focus. But um, she's she's a giver, and I she's just inspirational to me. And she's beautiful, and she's smart, and mm. who wouldn't want that? that? Um, lastly, I think um, I would say the two other people, and I hate to just be 
I'm trying to think of somebody else who I find really inspirational. And I'm going to tell you right now that I just thought about it last night. Um, and I'm going to say his name wrong. Ahmed, uh, I'm going to say him so wrong. Uh, Ahmed Naine. There we go. I think I did it. Um, we'll find out simple. later. Yeah, we will. Don't slaughter me. You might need to put like a, that was not pronounced correctly. Um, <laughs> last night, listening to him talk about the culture that he is so fascinated by, it just lit a fire in me to just start reading every possible book I could on all the things that I want to study and be as uh, positive and sure and knowledgeable about as uh, he was or is the Numer- the Neo-Sumerian world. And uh, I am... I, he's just inspired me. And so I'm probably going to go write, um, you know, an award recommendation for him because that kind of energy and that kind of knowledge is exactly what I'd like to see. In, it is um, exactly what the study. SCA needs too. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this can be a question that you don't want to answer because some people don't like to bring the mundane life into the SCA. Uh, outside outside the SCA, what do you do for a living? I am a uh, accounts. Um, oh, they just changed my title. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I'm an, I'm an accounting services manager, so I handle managing a team that uh, processes uh, AP and AR invoices and cash applications. Oh. Has that job helped for things uh, inside the SCA? Uh, do they kind of cross together? Um, so I think managing people, uh, absolutely, it crosses over. Um, that has been a great, uh, a, a great helper in managing personalities and uh, how to deal with individuals who are troublesome or individuals who are overly exuberant. Those are also people that you have to uh, manage as well. Um, so that definitely has helped me. The other piece that of my job, which doesn't really isn't indicated in my title, but I do project management. And uh, because of that, I'm very, at least I think I am, uh, very good at uh, managing time and scheduling and being able to think beyond the, the tree that's in front of me. You know, I can see past that tree and go, okay, but have we thought about all of this other land that's over here? So um, that's really helpful for me, I think, as a crown is to have that ability because some people, some people often forget that what you're looking at isn't the only piece to the conversation. Oh, and I agree. I agree. Especially as crown, you might be telling the crown this one piece, but the crown has already heard 50 other pieces of information that relates to what you're telling them and they have a much broader scope of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has absolutely helped me in that role in the SCA. And obviously as a household matriarch in the SCA, our people are like herding cats. So, wow, you know, wow. I'm, fair, I'm fairly good at that. <laughs> <laughs> cats and ferrets. <laughs> uh, those, you don't herd ferrets. You just hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> and then they chew on you. Yes. <laughs> I saw endlessly. that video. Yes. <laughs> uh, is there something you used to do that you don't anymore? Like uh, you already told me that you used to do a question. I don't think we can really uh, go any further with that question uh, unless yeah. you have anything. 
No, mm-hmm. I'd say that that's really it. Yeah. Um, what? And you already talked about what is something that you tried to do and failed at, and that was being a seamstress. <laughs> well, so bad. <laughs> uh, uh, going off of that question, is there something that you want to do but you're scared of? Uh, yeah, I would love. So I am very envious of the women who can fight in the SCA. Um, mm-hmm. I really want to fight. And I think that, well, I, I really want to fight. Um, I would, and I would love to be able to go out on the field and support, um, you know, everyone who's out there in one way or another. Um, but unfortunately, one, I do have a little bit of fear of being hit, which I, mm. which I, is interesting, I guess. But um, oh, I have you know, that my same fear. Yeah, my reaction is poor when it happens, meaning mm-hmm. I don't. I forget that I'm playing something and I sort of just think about how I'm going to knock you to the ground. Whether yeah. I could or not doesn't matter. My brain just says, all right, we need to make sure that whatever just hit you doesn't do it again. So let's, you know. Yeah, that comes, back to, that come back, comes back to the uh, female fighter virtual questionnaire that you did about how it's kind of in, uh, implanted into women in this day and age. It's just like you're not supposed to fight back. It's supposed to. You're, you're supposed to just take it or and I am terrible at re saying how it is, how that question was. But, yeah, it probably has something to do with our society just a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, I think I have this the spin on that, though. I think mm-hmm. I think what you're referring to is that there was a, a, a female fighter who mentioned that women, as they are growing up, are trained to not be hit. And so they don't expect to be hit and yes, because they don't it. expect to be they don't expect to be hit they uh are fearful when they do because they don't know how to react to it and boys mm-hmm. are typically raised in the hey you hit me i'm gonna hit you back mentality whether they're scared or not you're supposed to fight back yes um, that, that was it and i'm trying not to go too much into a big old can of worms but <laughs> no 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 that's yeah. it. but for me it's the opposite i i get so angry when you hit me that mm. I want to come at you and hurt you in every possible way. And it doesn't matter what what the parameters of our game is, right? So if you hit me with a sword, uh, like rapier, I want to drop my head and run at your gut and knock you to the ground. Like that's how my <laughs> brain, you know. I want to see that. I want uh, to see that so bad. <laughs> no, no one wants to see that. So, I'm, so I am fear. So I, I will tell you, it is a fear response. It is not an aggression response. It is a fight mm-hmm. response to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And the other thing is, I have a, I have a medical condition. I'm a severe anemic, um, and mm-hmm. you know, getting hit and a bruise happening is extremely problematic for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I won't go into the list of those things, but it's problematic. And so, I, I do have a fear. I have a fear of being hurt, whether because of my health and also because. I don't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. I'll admit it. So I'm very, very envious of the women who can walk out there and, uh, you know, take those hits and, and, and enjoy it. I'm, I'm completely envious of them. You could go onto the field as a combat archer or as uh, artillery. No, not artillery. Uh, uh, the people in the back with the big bolts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could. That, um I could. I absolutely could do that. Um, because they're not supposed to hit the combat archers, because if you just approach them, they're pretty much dead. And that's what I do, and that's why I got onto the field, because I wanted to have a little bit of the adrenaline 
to be able to get over the fight or flight response and be able to actually hit someone and enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think I want to get onto the fencing field, but I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I'm just too scared. <laughs> well, I hope I hope you get there. I hope you get what you want. We shall see. Uh, you've talked about several events that you've been to, but is there one that is your absolute favorite event ever? Uh, yes, 100%. Um, Gulf Wars has always been and will always be my favorite event. Um, that's Long usually what ago. people talk about. Usually when they're talking about the big events, they're like, it, there's Gulf Wars, Penzik, and Gulf Wars is always the best. It, it really is. Uh, a long, long time ago in a Gulf Wars far, far away, there was, uh, it's like King, I think it's King and Queen's Crossing is the roads now. Um, but there used to be camps all around that area. And at night, there was one camp there specifically, um, I think it was the Saints and Sinners, or said they had a party called the Seven Deadly Sins every year. Anyways, uh, so people would come in and out of that party camp, but we would stand at the crossroads there at Gulf Wars and just meet people and chat and talk and drink. And it was the best time for me because everybody had to cross that point to get anywhere at Gulf Wars. So you got to see, it was like people watching at its best. And Ooh. so I, people would talk and talk to you. And, you know, I, I still remember the worst drink I've ever had in my life was at that crossroads. Um, that was with my uh, dear friend, <laughs> Tracy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Duchess Elizabeth and Aunt Stiora. It is, it is disgusting. Uh, but yes, yeah, that's my favorite event. And it will always be my favorite event. But New Orleans is, you know, an hour away. So how could it not be your favorite event? I've I've heard of the New Orleans adventures that you've had with Marguerite, and it's just like, oh, the plan was to go to Gulf Wars for myself with family next year, but it sounds like it's probably not going to happen unless they figure out the medication for the COVID now. Yeah. It's going to be a while before we have anything big. Yep. But, yep. hey, it's something to look forward to. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a passion project that you are currently working on? I have seen the the, the wigs that you're working on. <laughs> is that uh, your is that your current passion project project? I've been dabbling in doing 18th century costuming. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the wigs that I've been working on are uh, developed from the Revolutionary War period and and further back uh, or further forward, I guess I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that is sort of my passion project, but it is not SCA related. SCA related, my passion project right now, I'm super excited about it, is, uh, and I don't really want to say it's SCA focused, but um, Sophie, the Orange, and I are going to be uh, creating drunk history interviews where basically I learn about something to do in history, some, some subject, I learn about it, I have a few drinks, and then I retell it to the best of my ability. Oh, so, yes. Oh, I have heard of this, and I cannot wait. It is going to be just watching people try to explain anything when they're drunk. It's just <laughs> hysterical. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be magic, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I say that's a passion project. It's something I'm looking forward to and I think will be a – a nice, uh, uh, light, funny thing to do instead of uh, something very heavy. Oh, fantastic. 
So we're reaching the end of the questions. Um, this is where I'm going to kind of take a break from questions to be able to give you some free advertisement for your favorite merchant. Um, I don't have a favorite merchant. Um, uh, well, your favorite item that you like to purchase, I suppose, whenever you go to events. Um, yeah, I don't even have that. Um, <gasps> yeah, I don't have that either. Um, oh, no. So this is the last question before I try to get into some somewhat personal questions. Uh, they're not really personal. It's just the beans. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, what is your favorite story or memory that has occurred while in the SCA? And I'm trying to ask for comedic gold because I, we love comedy, comedia, or if it's just something that just really touched you. Um, so to me, this is one of the funniest things that happened. And this is, uh, I'm going to tell a story about me anyways. Um, well, this <laughs> episode is about you. Ah, well, there you go. So this is one of the funniest things that happened uh, in recent memory of the SCA that I still laugh about. So um, when you are princess, the um, blue scars and the white scars of the Academy, uh, when you go out for Midnight's Madness shopping, they escort you around and, you know, just sort of spend the evening with the princess. And that typically happens at Gulf Wars. Yes, I remember the previous Gulf Wars before it was canceled. Um, it was going to be Tiberius, my husband, and uh, someone else who was going to be uh, escorting Mooned, and they were extremely disappointed when it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, so so you know, it, it, it obviously at Penzik the same thing happens at Midnight Madness, but mm -hmm. um, in this particular story, it, I was princess at Gulf Wars, so they walk you around, and one of the things that's like tradition, and I, it might be going out of tradition, but it wasn't at the time, is the uh, provost would then try to steal the princess from, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, yeah, the princess, try to steal the princess from the uh, yellow scarves and the blue scarves, and so the blue scarves and the yellow scarves are like on target all night long just watching to make sure that none of these white scarves steal her right right so right. um so they didn't they didn't manage to steal me and you know I, there is a king who once told me you should never run away from your guards but to me this is sort of a game they're playing with each other so i like mm -hmm. to help both so when i was queen uh at penzik we were elevating some or putting someone on vigil actually and I watched as all of these um, yellow scarves and blue scarves started coming around, gathering really, really close to me. And I could tell that the MODs were a little unfocused because they were focusing on the vigil instead of focusing on what was going on around them. But there was a couple white scarves that were like, wait a minute, what's happening here? <laughs> well, I stand up and I walk casually, like I grab something to drink and I grab a snack and I walk to the edge of the pavilion that we're holding this vigil in and up behind me out of nowhere in the darkness, a little head pops up and it's, uh, it's Lord Jacques and, uh, Jacques rather. And he is like, Hey, uh, and I, I might be not telling this a hundred percent the way it went because my brain is foggy from then, but that's fine. Basically, he kidnapped me and got me out from underneath literally every MOD on site, I think, maybe say <laughs> one or two, got me out from underneath all of them and the white scarves 
and I ran into a random person's tent. I, I mean, it was somebody in the camp, in the encampment's tent. So it was somebody at uh, uh, Bert and Ehrman. But I went into this tent and just sat down on this person's bed, and I sent him back out. I said, you got to go back over there. They're going to know you took me. Well, I waited. I waited for probably, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, and nobody, I could hear them saying, where is she at? Where is she at? And people are freaking panicking, right? <laughs> where is she at? Even Chris is like, because I didn't tell him, Chris is like, I had no clue where she went. And so I just waited till I heard, like, the commotion kind of die down, and I just casually walked out of camp and went shopping by myself. <laughs> In the, in the shopping area, and you could see them. I would see them occasionally, like run past one of the one of the shopping areas and look around to see if they see me. And I would just stand there, real casual, like I mean, I wasn't really hiding. And then, and then all of a sudden, I heard Boomy go, "Hey, hi! I found her!" And he was just standing in the middle of the road with his arms in the air, and I was underneath the tent just shopping, waved, and my husband walked up, and that was the end of the night. But I do believe that Jock. Uh, takes credit for being the only, uh, I guess he was a yellow scarf at the time, to steal the queen from the white scarves and MODs. <laughs> Mischief managed. Oh, that is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if they liked that too much, but I sure thought it was funny at the time. I was having a good time. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, oh, goodness. I, my brain is all fractured. It's just like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I don't really have very many personal questions uh, after that. I'm not even going to ask the bean one. It's just watching the, the conversation from that on your Facebook page was funny enough. <laughs> the, the bean? Oh, oh, that's easy. So in Texas, chili is not a soup. Or a, it's 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 a condiment, right? You put chili on things. You don't eat. You don't make a batch of chili. It's, you. It's not a meal. It's not a. a, a oh no, it's definitely a meal, but it's only meat. It's only meat. <laughs> it's meat. It's meat, and sometimes tomato paste, but very rarely, and sometimes tomatoes, but even very rarely. And it it you know you put it in enchiladas on top of enchiladas. You you put it on hot dogs. You eat it on the you know, the range when you're out working cattle because you don't have a lot of equipment to carry and you need mm -hmm. to just throw some beef and some chilies and some coffee into a pot and you make chili. So when you put beans in something, it makes it a stew. And there's this epic battle forever and ever whether chili is bean or stew. And mm -hmm. a, Texan, a Texan will go down fighting every time about it. So that's I love, the, I love that's the people come. I can't remember if it was uh it was someone that I knew that was just like well what a, what about when you put it on pasta? That's that's just unnatural. That's not even <laughs> real. We don't even talk about that. <laughs> and then it's just not it's not a thing. <laughs> this is the one time that North Carolina and Texas are going to agree and then gang up on Ohio. That's how that works. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's because it's a uh, Skyland. Cincinnati chili. Yep. Yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati chili. <laughs> Skyline, not Skyland. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, having never tried it, I can't say if it's good or not, but uh, Tiberius drove through Cincinnati and he said it was pretty good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a, if you say so, I guess it's the spice. It's always the spices that you put into the chili, not necessarily whether what you put on top of it or what you add into it. 
If you add stuff, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, how is Taco doing? Taco, your uh, favorite. Taco, if anybody knows uh, me, they know Taco Nene. Mm-hmm. He is my baby, my young ferret. He's my youngest ferret. He is the derpiest creature on the face of the earth. He knows no enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone is his friend, and unfortunately, that sometimes means the cats who occasionally try to crawl up the side of their cage and get a hold of their tail. And recently, oh, Taco so that's had, how that happened. Uh. Yeah, well, we think we're not certain because we we didn't see it happen, but that's mm-hmm. the only thing we can think of. Um, but Taco had to have um, about a two inches of his tail amputated, I think, maybe an inch, mm-hmm. uh, the end because the cat. Uh, bit through his tail and broke his vertebrae, but he doesn't even know that he uh, has didn't have or is missing piece of his tail. He's fine. Oh, good. And he's uh, how old is he? Uh, he is a year so she said and he's a half. the youngest. Oh, he's only yeah. a year and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the only other animal. Uh, how many animals do you have? Oh my God! I swear that. <laughs> I swear we're not hoarders. I promise we're not animal hoarders. But yeah, you're animal that. lovers. That's good. We, That's a good are, thing to be. We have very well taken care of animals and uh, a big giant heart. I have a big giant heart, and Chris Carroll pretends like he doesn't have a big giant heart, mm-hmm. but he does too. So I know have, why uh, you're trying to fill the horse in your heart <laughs> with smaller <yeah>. animals. <laughs> we have five cats and uh, currently two dogs and four ferrets. Oh, but, um, yeah, but, you know, I mean, the ferrets aren't out roaming the house, so it's not like there's, they're always interacting. Uh, we have two cats that, uh, one was feral. We almost never see her. Um, was that Waffles? And then, no, no, that's not Waffles. That's Dianimal, uh, which is a whole other story for another day. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then two dogs, a Corgi and a Pomeranian. And that's our life. We have a lot of animals, but I love every single one of them. Well, as long as they're well cared for, you can get as many as you want. <laughs> they are they are ridiculous, in fact. Oh, yes. I mean, they're all sleeping on beds right now surrounding me as we're talking. So. Yeah, in this in this heat that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard several cats meowing in the background. Who is that? Uh, the one currently screaming is Bitty Bit. She is a um, a uh, Munchkin Scottish fold. Oh, that's so the one that you got from Rose, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, Babu kitten. <laughs> yeah, she's a she is a, a teeny but loud beast. She has to fill the room with her presence. She yeah, she does. She makes sure you know she's there with no question. Mm. Well, I think that's the end of any questions that I can that are on my list and also ones that I really wanted to ask about that were personal. Uh, And I think that's it. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, absolutely. And let me know if I can help you in any way. Okay. Um, I think I have everything handled. Just being in your vocal presence is always wonderful. (laughs) And I can't wait. And I can't wait until we actually get to meet physically again, because it's just. So long. It's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. <laughs> uh, All right, lady. Well, uh, I, I've got to jump off here to eat lunch, and I've got a few things I need to do. So, oh, yes, um, same here. Let me, know, let me know if you need anything, okay? Oh, I will let you know. It probably won't be anything, but hey, just continue being awesome. <laughs>
I appreciate that. All right, darling. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, that was my interview with Duchess Adelheit Fuchs. I hope y'all enjoyed it. My next interview will be with Lord Ian Monroe, and it is always such a delight to talk to him, and I am super excited for being able to post this interview finally. This one was recorded in August 2020, not much time difference from when I recorded with Duchess Adelheit Fuchs. Thank you very much, and if you want to email me, it is kira.lechuzasca at gmail.com. Again, it's k-i-r-a dot l-u-c-h-u-z-a-s-c-a at gmail.com. The intro and outro is a public domain song called Concerto a Four Violini, number two, Telemann. And the Make Yourself Known icon was created and arted by Gabriel the Traveler. Check out his stuff. He's amazing. Thank you very much.